Our Father who art in heaven, Lord, we say, Hallowed be thy name. We thank you, Lord, for the gift of life. We thank you for the gift of coming together to receive from you words of life. O oh Lord, we present ourselves before your minds, our brains, that you may open our eyes to behold wonderful things out of thy law. We pray you enlighten our minds. We come before you because we know that you are the only God that can keep us from falling. Lord, help us live by the words we are about to read now. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Conflict and Courage, January 14 Between God and Man Wherefore, he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. Hebrews chapter 7 verse 25 the Lord did not place in Adam, fallen and obedient, the confidence he placed in Adam, loyal and true. The rewards of heaven are not granted to transgressors. The eyes of Adam and Eve were indeed opened, but to what? To see their own shame and ruin, to realize that the garments of heavenly light which had been their protection were no longer around them as their safeguard. Their eyes were opened to see that nakedness was the fruit of transgression. As they heard God in the garden, they hid themselves from him, for they anticipated that which till their fall they had not known, the condemnation of God. God has declared that man's only means of safety is entire obedience to all his words. We are not to make the experiment of testing the evil course with all its results. This will bring weakness through disobedience. God's plan was to give man clear-sightedness in all his work. There was to be cooperation between man and God. But this plan was greatly interfered with by Adam's transgression. Satan led him to sin, and the Lord would not communicate with him after he had sinned as he did when he was without sin. After the fall, Christ became Adam's instructor. He acted in God's stead toward humanity, saving the race from immediate death. He took upon him the office of mediator. Adam and Eve were given a probation in which to return to their allegiance, and in this plan, all their posterity were embraced. Without the atonement of the Son of God, there could have been no communication of blessing or salvation from God to man. God was jealous for the honor of his law. The transgression of that law had caused a fearful separation between God and man. To Adam, in his innocence, was granted communion, direct, free and happy, with his Maker. After his transgression, God would communicate to man only through Christ and angels. Amen. The title of our devotion is Between God and Man. Our key text is taken from the book Hebrews chapter 7 verse 25 which says, Wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. And here we continue to look at the consequences and the origin of man's fall. In Genesis chapter 3 verse 22 down to 24 we read, And the Lord God said, Behold, the man is become as one of us, to know good and evil. And now lest he put forth his hand, and take also of the tree of life, and eat, and live forever. 
Therefore, the Lord God sent him forth from the garden of Eden to till the ground from whence he was taken. So he drove out the man, and he placed at the east of the garden of Eden cherubims and a flaming sword, which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. Here, finally, we see the condemnation or consequences that came to our first parents on account of their sin. The eyes of Adam and Eve were indeed opened, but to what? To see their own shame and ruin, to realize that the garments of heavenly light which had been their protection were no longer around them as their safeguard. Their eyes were opened to see that nakedness was the fruit of transgression. As they heard God in the garden, they hid themselves from him, for they anticipated that which till their fall they had not known, the condemnation of God. That is Conflict and Courage, page 20, paragraph 3. You see, Adam and Eve's eyes were opened to see their nakedness and to also know that nakedness was the fruit of transgression. But in passing, I would say today, not many people know that nakedness is the fruit of transgression because we see all around us naked people in sports, naked people, not even in sports, in the beach, just on the road, people are naked. But they don't understand that every time we dress ourselves, exposing our bodies, it is just a fruit of the transgression of the heart. The dress is an index of the heart. When Adam and Eve sinned, the first thing that changed was their dress, nakedness. And the first thing that the Lord corrected was their dress. For the Lord ensured that he changed their dress from aprons which did not cover them properly to coats of skin which covered them totally. And that coat of skin is what we are going to talk about today. This topic we have between God and man is referring to our Lord Jesus Christ, that lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world. For in slaying that lamb by Adam, the, the skin of that lamb was used to cover him, both physically and spiritually. Firstly, Adam was naked spiritually and naked physically, and God through that lamb that was slain, covered his nakedness physically and covered it spiritually. And many of us need to understand that our physical nakedness is an index of the emptiness of our hearts. If you feel comfortable going about with your laps showing and your body parts, you're just skimpily dressed just like Adam and Eve were after they sinned, then there is something wrong fundamentally in our hearts. If our eyes have not been opened to see our nakedness, then our case is even worse than that of Adam. For Adam saw his and he ran away. But many see their nakedness today and their nakedness is their glory. They are not even ashamed of it. Adam at least was ashamed. Eve was ashamed of their nakedness. And after they sowed fig leaves for themselves, they still could not come before the presence of God. For they heard his voice walking in the garden, and the Lord called and said, Adam, where are you? Genesis chapter 3, verse 10. He's, and he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. Adam was naked. He had already sewn clothes, aprons for himself from fig leaves, but yet Adam was not content. He was naked. How many of us, dressed like Adam, even go to church that way? Adam could not come in the presence of God in his aprons. He saw it that he was naked. How many of us are blinded to our nakedness and we are happy about it? We go before the presence of the Lord and walk around the streets in nakedness and we are not blushing. We are not ashamed. Something is fundamentally wrong with the heart. Adam didn't fall that low so that he couldn't understand that nakedness was shame. His 
crotch was covered, his private parts were covered, but yet he wasn't content. But today, 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 we all know what the case is. The Lord, we need to come before God to sanctify our minds so that we can rise up higher to a greater standard, to the true standard of what it means to be right with God. So, between God and man, Christ stepped up to take the place. I want us to look at this account in Genesis chapter 3. As we read there, what happened to Adam and Eve. There it says that when Adam said he hid himself, the Lord responded in verse 11, and who told thee that thou was naked? Has thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? And the man said, The woman whom thou gavest to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I did eat. And the Lord said unto the woman, What is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, The serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. I want to hone in on that question. What is this that thou hast done? You see, the Lord asked this question. He understanding the depth and enormity of what has just been done. But like little children, Adam and Eve, little children who are playing with a toy, maybe they are playing with something and then it falls down and breaks. They don't understand the consequences. They don't know what they have done. God knew and he asked them, what is this that thou hast done? Adam and Eve had no idea the deep consequences of what they had done, but the Lord knew and he asked that question, what is this that thou hast done? But what had they done? Let us see what they had done. I'm reading from Patriarchs and Prophets, page 63 and downward. The Son of God, heaven's glorious commander, was touched with pity for the fallen race. His heart was moved with infinite compassion as the woes of the lost world rose up before him. But divine love had conceived a plan whereby man might be redeemed. Now listen. The broken law of God demanded the life of the sinner. In all the universe, there was but one who could, in behalf of man, satisfy its claims. Since the divine law is as sacred as God himself, only one equal with God could make atonement for its transgression. None but Christ could redeem fallen man from the curse of the law and bring him again into harmony with heaven. Christ will take upon himself the guilt and shame of sin, sin so offensive to a holy God that it must separate the Father and his Son. Christ would reach to the depths of misery to rescue the ruined race. Before the Father, he pleaded in the sinner's behalf. While the host of heaven awaited the result with an intensity of interest that words cannot express, long continued was the mysterious communion, the council of peace, spoken of in Zechariah chapter 6 verse 13, for the fallen sons of man. The plan of salvation had been laid before the creation of the earth, for Christ is the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world, Revelation 13 verse 8. Yet, it was a struggle, even with the king of the universe, to yield up his son to die for the guilty race. But God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. John 3.16 Oh, the mystery of redemption, the love of God for a world that did not love him. Who can know the depths of that love which passeth knowledge? Through endless ages, immortal minds seeking to comprehend the mystery of that incomprehensible love will wonder and adore. God was to be manifest in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 19. Man had become so degraded by sin that it was impossible for him in himself to come into harmony 
with him whose nature is purity and goodness. But Christ, after having redeemed man from the condemnation of the law, could impart divine power to unite with human effort. Thus, repentance towards God and faith in Christ, the fallen children, thus, by repentance towards God and faith in Christ, the fallen children of Adam might once more become the sons of God. The plan by which alone man's salvation could be secured involved all heaven in its infinite sacrifice. The angels could not rejoice as Christ opened before them the plan of redemption, for they saw that man's salvation must cost their loved commander unutterable woe. In grief and wonder, they listened to his words as he told them how he must descend from heaven's purity and peace, its joy and glory and immortal life, and come in contact with the degradation of earth to endure its sorrow, shame and death. He was to stand between the sinner and the penalty of sin, yet few would receive him as the Son of God. He would leave his high position as the majesty of heaven, appear upon earth and humble himself as a man, and by his own experience become acquainted with the sorrows and temptations which man would have to endure. All this would be necessary in order that he might be able to succor them that should be tempted hebrews chapter 2 verse 18 when his mission as a teacher should be ended he must be delivered into the hands of wicked men and be subjected to every insult and torture that satan could inspire to them to inflict he must die the cruelest of deaths lifted up between the heavens and the earth as a guilty sinner he must pass long hours of agony so terrible that angels could not look upon it but would veil their faces from the sight he must endure anguish of soul the hiding of his father's face while the guilt of transgression the weight of the sins of the whole world should be upon him the angels prostrated themselves at the feet of their commander and offered to become a sacrifice for man but an angel's life could not be the debt. Only he who created man had power to redeem him. Yet the angels were to have a part to act in the plan of redemption. End of quote. What is this that thou hast done was the question that God asked to Adam and Eve. Here is now what they had done. Little did they know that they could not atone for their sins. The law that was broken can only be amended by someone who is as holy and as sacred as that law. Not even the holiness of angels could atone for the breaking of the law. Some of us have wondered in our minds, why did Christ have to die? Was there no other way? My brothers and sisters, there was no other way. But when you think of the fact that God knew about this before creating man, because people are perplexed, they worry so much, they look at the world and its woes and the curse of sin, and I have heard it numerous times, young people, teenagers, adults, all asking the question, if God knew that man was going to be in this situation, why didn't he do something about it? Then why did he create man? Why this and why that? My brothers and sisters, who is it that has suffered on account of our sins more than anybody? Is it man who has suffered the most? All the sin that the whole world has committed. Presently, as I speak, we are about 7.4 billion in this world, all sinning against him. And before now, we have had billions and billions of people who have lived. And guess what? All the sin that every human being has ever committed, it has been placed on Jesus Christ. So who, I say, has suffered the most? Not just figuratively placed, he actually had to come down to this earth as a man. How many of us have ever lived in luxury and would agree to live in a situation of inconvenience? Not many will do that. I go for evangelisms. And it's difficult for those who are posh, the rich, and those who have grown in a situation of plenty, 
who have lived soft all their life to come down to this place, the rural areas and sleep on the floor. It's difficult for them to lie down even on a small bed. They cannot bear the inconveniences as human beings. But here is God who lived in heaven, who have no beginning, no end, yet living in all the bliss of heaven, left all of that to come down. Not just that he just came down, but even before creating man, he knew that every consequence of sin was going to be upon him and yet he embarked on the project. My brothers and sisters, you are not the one who has suffered more. Jesus, all heaven, even the angels, has, has, has been the one suffering for our sins. So let no one ask that question. In contempt, you may wonder and ask why all this, but here is the answer to you. The Lord is asking, what is this that thou hast done? Because God knew that these people, Adam and Eve, knew not what they had done. Let us see how they reacted. I go back to Patriarchs and Prophet now, reading page 66, paragraph 2 downward. It says, Heavenly angels more fully opened to our first parents the plan that had been devised for their salvation. Adam and his companion were assured that, notwithstanding their great sin, they were not to be abandoned to the control of Satan. The Son of God had offered to atone with his own life for their transgression. A period of probation will be granted them and through repentance and faith in Christ, they might again become the children of God. Amen. The sacrifice demanded by their transgression revealed to Adam. And what's the sacrifice? Right now, Adam and Eve are just hearing that the consequence of their sin because they are waiting for condemnation but now they are told no condemnation you are given a chance to live your life again but the law of god that has been broken someone must suffer for it instead of you dying the lord has said he is going to come down and die and that was the what he said in the first instance when he said to the serpent that the his seed and the seed of man, there will be enmity between them. And the serpent will bruise the heel of the seed of the woman, which represents Jesus Christ. And then the seed of the woman, which is Jesus Christ, will bruise his head. In that promise was given the plan of salvation, that there was a seed going to come that will bring, bring enmity between God, between man and the, the serpent, and will ensure that man will be saved. But the explanation of that is that Jesus was going to come to the earth and would atone for the sins of men. And now, look at how they reacted. The sacrifice demanded by their transgression revealed to Adam and Eve the sacred character of the law of God. And they saw, as they had never seen before, the guilt of sin and its dire results. In their remorse and anguish, they pleaded that the penalty might not fall upon him whose love had been the source of all their joy. Rather, let it descend upon them and their posterity. Hmm. Now, Adam and Eve understood what they had done. When the question was asked to them at first, what is this that thou hast done? They did not understand. But when they were explained to the consequences of what they had done, that it was not just them who were going to die, but they were going to live. A plan was devised so that they would not die eternally, but they would live. But it comes at a cost. And the cost is that the Creator God was going to be incarnate as man, born as a man. But he would have to suffer what we just read earlier. The rejection of men and the torture and the most cruelest of deaths and the inconveniences he will be put through. Now Adam and Eve understood what they had done. How about you who are listening to me? Have you understood what you have done? For every time we commit sin, the question is asked to us, What is this that thou hast done? Do we know what we are doing when we carelessly sin against God? The question is asked to you every time you neglect the law of God and feel at liberty to carelessly cherish evil thoughts, 
carelessly speak words that are sinful, carelessly do things that you know the word of God has prohibited because of your selfish indulgence or because of something that you are going after. It's all selfishness. When we do that, the question comes to you, brother and sister, what is this that you are doing? What is this that thou hast done? Do you understand that as it is written in Hebrews chapter 6 verse 6 that you are crucifying the Son of God afresh by every sin you commit, every evil thought you cherish, every act of transgression that you are crucifying the Son of God afresh? What is this that thou hast done? What is this that humanity is doing? Committing sin, carelessly rejecting the word of God, and not thinking that this thing is affecting someone. Not thinking that every sin we commit, someone is being affected by it. I like Adam and Eve. I like them because I can see their remorse. They understood. Yes, they sinned against God, but the Lord is merciful. But they understood deeply what they had done. They were not so far removed from God that they did not know they were naked even after we were dressing in aprons. They were not so far removed from God that after that time, they could not feel the remorse and say, Oh, I will not sin against God again. They knew what they had done and they repented. But look at us today. Many of us know what we are doing and yet we can't even bat an eye. We sin knowingly, carelessly, thinking that our present need is greater than whatever God has said. But do you understand that you are crucifying the Son of Man afresh? We need to have a conscience that is very sensitive. And I pray to God to give it to me because as I say these things, it is even me too. What is it that I have done? After this, it is still possible that I even will sin against God. But I pray that that won't be the case because we need to understand deeply the consequences of our sin, not as it is for us here on earth in the sense that, oh, there's crime and there's sickness and all of that. Deeper than that, the consequences of our sin is that the creator of heaven and earth, the innocent creator, had to take it upon himself and pass through all that cruelty that he passed through because of my sins and he died. He didn't deserve it. If there's any sense of justice in us, if there's any sense of humanity in us, any sense of mercy and love, you will know that this is a treacherous thing and it ought to touch our hearts to the point that we say, this is not fair because it's on my account that Jesus died. It's on my account that he suffered. I am part of the cause of his suffering, of what he suffered and even what he's suffering today by looking at us in our sins because it pains the Lord. As we will go through our, our devotions, we will see when in the book of Genesis chapter 6 that man had so sinned that the Lord had come to a point where it was so hurting to him, painful, that the Lord said, it, he regretted, I re it repented me that I have made man was what he said because of the heartbreak that he was passing through. And he still passes through that heartbreak anytime you sin, anytime you neglect his law, anytime you say it doesn't matter whether I keep it or not, he still passes through that heartbreak today. The Lord has feelings, you know, and it touches him, it touches him. But then the Lord would have us know that he loves us. The next thing that happened was that, as I've said earlier, to make them dress in that coat of skin, a lamb was brought which Adam slew. He slew that lamb and for the first time Adam saw what death was. You can imagine the horror he felt and how he was trembling before he could kill that lamb. He had never done it before. Some of us can't even kill a chicken today and yes, our soul is sensitive, it's true, it's good. And you can imagine how it was for Adam, who had never known death. He has never seen blood shed in his life, never ever knew any such thing. Now, he was the one to inflict this death on this poor lamb, the lamb that did not do anything wrong. That lamb was not the one that sinned. The lamb was innocent, but that lamb had to be slain. And in that, Adam understood. This innocent lamb, I killed it because I sinned. It was a lesson that was etched in his mind and it ought to be etched in our minds too. That someone else that was innocent, this lamb that was innocent, 
had nothing to do with the crime that he committed was the one that now died. His blood was shed because of Adam. And Adam now knew deeply what was going to happen. That God was going to come down and his blood will be shed on account of Adam's sin and on account of my sin and your sin. I hope our hearts are moved and our conscience is awakened and become sensitive to this matter. And after slaying that lamb, the same lamb's skin was used to sew coats for Adam and Eve, not aprons now, and which represents the covering that Christ does for us. Completely covered. Apron doesn't completely cover, but coats completely cover from the neck down to the leg. And that's why when we see these pictures of Adam and Eve dressed like cavemen, it's a misrepresentation of the fact they were not dressed like cavemen. God dressed them in coats of skin and the coat covered them completely, showing that the Lord was going to completely cover them with his righteousness, not halfway. As they were completely covered with light before, the coat covered them completely. That coat represented the righteousness of Christ and it covered them from neck down to the feet, completely covered. You want to see how Christ is dressed? Go to the book of Revelation chapter 1. John saw Jesus. He says that he wore a coat that was covering him completely from the from his neck, from his shoulders, down to the sole of his feet, completely covered. And that's how he completely covered Adam and Eve. Physically, and representing the spiritual covering that he was going to wash away all their sins. Take courage, my brothers and sisters. So have you fallen into a scandalous and shameful sin? We can and we may fall, but let us take courage in the fact that he who did not reject Adam and Eve when they betrayed him will not reject us, for he is able to save to the uttermost all that come to God through him. What is your sin? How great is it? Don't worry. Don't run away from God. The Lord has not rejected you. Come to him. Don't let the devil make you think that you cannot come to him and you start to run away like Adam and Eve. Jesus was not coming to condemn them that day and he's not coming to condemn you. Stop running away from him. Come to him. No matter how terrible the sin has been, exercise faith and believe. Check through your word, the word of God. Has he said he's going to condemn you? He has not. We are already condemned. So what's the running away for? Our sin has already condemned us. So why are we running away from God? God is only coming to save. Don't run away from God. Come to him and receive strength of forgiveness, first of all, and also power so that we will not go back to our sins. Psalms chapter 103, reading from verse 1 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits who forgiveth all thy iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases, who redeemeth thy life from destruction, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies. Verse 8. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and plenteous in mercy. He will not always chide, neither will he keep his anger forever. He hath not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy towards them that fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. For he knoweth our frame. He remembereth that we are dust. Let us therefore take courage in these words. For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. Amen. Take courage, brother. Take courage, sister. Come close to the Lord. He would not reject you. Amen. Amen. Indeed, the time has come for us to come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. I will give you rest. Come and buy he that has no money. Come and buy without money and without price. Indeed, he's calling humanity straight away from his path, as we have been reading. 
But the Lord's hand is stretched out still, calling. We go back to the story. The reading says, As they heard the God in the garden, they hid themselves from him, for they anticipated that which till their fall they had not known the condemnation of God. In other words, Adam and Eve had communion, they used to talk, but they they don't know what to expect, but they expected that he's coming to condemn them, and they don't know what the sentence will be. But he already had told them that the day that thou eatest of this fruit, thou shalt surely die. And so now, since they are not physically completely dead, they are in a state of limbo. But they have seen some results, consequences. It is so sad how often we find ourselves in this same position, this exact position. Adam, where art thou? So that question, God was not asking for the geographical semantics or the location as, in rela- as it relates to the north side or whether he was on the south side or the east side. He wanted to bring to Adam the knowledge of what he had done. The very person he rejoiced to be in his presence becomes the one he was running away from. All of a sudden, sin's effect is seen in the beclouding of Adam's senses. Can you really hide from the Lord's all-seeing eyes? If anybody should know that, Adam was that person. Adam could have fled from Eve's presence the minute she brought the fruit. That was the time to run. Eve too from the serpent. That was the time to run. There is time for everything under the sun. Unfortunately, the time of fleeing for them is past. When it is time to flee, do not look back. Oh, how many people in the future will repeat the same mistake? Jesus said, remember Lord's wife. In the time of fleeing, she was retracted. Matthew chapter 24 verse 15. When ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place, whoso read it, let him understand. Then let them which be in Judea flee into the mountains. Adam, where art thou? The great lawgiver was about to make known to Adam and Eve the consequences of their transgression. In their innocence and holiness, they had joyfully welcomed the approach of their Creator. Now they fled in terror. But the Lord called Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid, because I was naked, and I hid myself. Oh, there come a time in a relationship when the wife no longer rejoices at the voice of the husband. She hears him from downstairs. Instead of rushing out to collect his bags, she pretends not to notice his arrival. Some even worse wish that he did not come. They wish he slept in the office. Your presence as a husband kills the joy of the wife. As a breakdown of communication, as it manifests itself, it shows a breakdown of relationship. Old Paul talked about women who could not keep at home, silly women. And sometimes it's as a result of having a relationship outside the home. And we see here the same principle working. As long as Adam had started communicating with the serpent, his relationship with his Lord is shaking. As long as he starts receiving instructions from the serpent, he could no longer joyfully and happily follow the relationships and the instructions that the Lord had given him. Oh, how many young women 
how many married women sit in front of the TV watching Indian movies and Filipino movies and Korean movies receiving instructions on how to run the marriages and when their husband is not behaving as those Korean actors and then she interprets it as not love all he said before our marriage maybe is not true and they started implementing things they learn from the marriages and that's where the breakdown of communication begins and then the breakdown of the marriage starts when instructions have been received from a medium all the stories about to get even worse from eternity past page 27 it says adam cast the blame upon his wife and thirst upon God himself. Let us pause. You see, sometimes you come to a time in your life when you are fed up with doing good for people. Oh, I gave my room, I gave my apartment to one friend, and after leaving, this is what he's doing. Oh, I gave these, uh, I don't want to do it anymore. See, God here given all things that pertains to life. To Adam, gave him a wife, gave him a garden, gave him employment, gave him communion, the angels standing. But everything he needed was supplied. There was nothing he lacked. This is how Adam will pay. This is how he returns the favor. Adam stands in front of God saying that the woman that thou gavest me. He cast the blame upon the woman. And by doing that, is casting the blame of God. If you did not give me this woman, I don't think I should have, I could have eaten of the fruit. This woman caused it. And you gave me the woman. So you are the one who caused it. The woman whom thou gavest to be with me, she gave me of the fruit. She gave me of the three and I did eat. From love to Eve, he had deliberately chosen to forfeit the approval of God and an eternal life of joy. Now he endeavored to make his companion and even the creator himself responsible for the transgression. You see how people always live in denial. You ask them a simple question. Instead of asking directly and sincerely, they move from one position to another, trying to explain things and removing. Everybody's denying. It's not me. It's this. It's because of this. I am like this because so, so, and so, person. Nobody's taking the responsibility. Instead of manning up and falling down and making confessions and supplications, said, Oh Lord, have mercy. So beating his chest and rolling in sackcloth, he dared look his maker in the face and scoff at the promises of God and said, It is the woman i am innocent i am holy i am righteous this is the same self-righteous principles that exist even in the sons of adams today instead of telling god they are sorry for what they had done they want to give him reasons why they did it ah i was naked has thou eaten of the tree whereof i commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat this question was asked by the Lord not because he needed information, but for the conviction of the guilty pair. How this thou become ashamed and fearful? Adam acknowledged his transgression not because he was penitent for his great disobedience, but to cast reflection upon God, the woman whom thou hast gavest to be with me, she gave me of the three and I did it. The woman was then addressed, What is this that thou hast done? Eve answered, The serpent beguiled me and I did it. The Lord then addressed the serpent. Oh, but at least we read something else in the story that is going on even as we speak. Adam had time to reflect on the deed and make confessions even before the Lord came to inquire. Beloved, the investigative judgment is going on as we speak right now. The books are open. Where are thou in the books? Where is your name written? Unconfessed sins will appear before the Lord and if we had not taken it to Christ, 
that he cleanses us from our unrighteousness, it will prove our ruin. Oh, young woman, what kind of activities are you engaging at the moment? What are you doing? I read again from Child Guardians 4.53. Your conduct has not been just, modest or becoming. You have not had the fear of God before your eyes. You have so often dissembled in order to accomplish your plans that you bear a violated conscience. My dear girl, unless you stop just where you are, ruin is surely before you. Seize your daydreaming, your castle building. Stop your thoughts from running in the channel of folly and corruption. End of quote. You see, Adam's conscience was troubled and so he ran away as our brother had told us. But today we see people who have their conscience seared with a hot iron. They can't even, they don't even show any remorse, no blush. Stand before the Lord in the church naked. Naked without clothes on the body and naked in the spirit. Destitute of that grace that brings salvation. That grace that had appeared unto all men. Teaching us that we must deny ungodliness and worldliness. That we must live soberly and righteously even in this present war. The Lord did not place in Adam falling and disobedient the confidence he placed in Adam loyal and true. The rewards of heaven are not granted to transgressors. Note, for those who preach that we will be saved anyhow, well, we see here that that case is not true. The rewards of heaven are not granted to transgressors. The only one who promised Adam life in disobedience was the great deceiver and the declaration of the serpent to Eve in Eden. Ye shall not surely die was the first sermon ever preached upon the immortality of the soul. Yet this declaration resting solely upon the authority of Satan is echoed from the pulpits of Christendom and it's received by the majority of mankind as readily as it was received by our first parents. End of quote. Great Controversy 533. We see clearly that the sermon has been preached. That is why people will go and kneel down before an idol. That is why they will pray to Mary and that's why they will pray to Peter and the apostles and the saints dead people saying that they are not surely dead they are living in heaven as we speak when the bible clearly teaches the opposite saying that when jesus shall come the dead in christ shall rise first but we are told that they are surely living somewhere they are already risen they are in heaven and so we pray to them and so that's why the church encourages people to pay for their sins as in penance indulgences and saying that when you pay you receive indulgences and so your money will buy salvation anyhow that is the salvation that comes with convenience live in sin Continue to disobey God, you shall not surely die. For those who you are praying to are not surely dead. And so some of the some of the people are fooled and deceived that their loved ones who died and then the money the church asks them to pay money that the church will do prayers for their loved ones and God will the priest and God will transfer the person from purgatory into heaven and so the thing they have people who are looking for them in heaven whilst they live in sin down here wake up you have been deceived. The same deception we read has been perpetrated by the same enemy. The same words of the serpent has been repeated on the pulpit. That is not the word of the Lord. The soul that seen it, it shall die. And when a man dies, a man has to wait. The man is waiting in the dust. From dust the man came, and to dust he shall return, and he will wait in the dust until the Lord descends from heaven with a shout and with that voice of the archangel. So we see that it is time for us to wake up. It is high time. We've gone too far in the day to be deceived even with the Bible in our hand. It is time for us to live soberly and righteously. The question where thou resonates with all of us living upon the earth at this moment 
where you where do you stand what is your record like the books are open have you done the investigation of your own life have you searched examine yourself to see whether you are in the faith look at the great mirror the ten commandments commandment number one to commandment number 10 found in exodus chapter 20 verse 1 to 17 compare it whether you're doing all that the lord requires of you make supplications and prayers to god for the days are evil we are running out of time but remember that lord the lord is calling the lord is coming and he is coming and we know that at his coming at his appearing there will be two classes of people. There will be those who will run to the mountains and hid themselves from the wrath of the Lamb. But there will be those who will say, Yea, and lo, this is our God. We have waited for him and he will save us. May we be found amongst this class. This is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. O oh Lord our Father, we continue to glorify your name. We thank you. We exalt you, O oh Lord, for all your wonders, your mercy, your love. We see even in the creation of man and in the fall of man, you've been with us. You, in wisdom and love, cast out a plan to redeem man from the falling state. We see that humanity is sinking deeper and deeper until Christ came and left the pattern that we may return to you. O oh Lord, help us to follow the chart, the compass, even looking closely into the lives of Christ, that we may learn the ways of righteousness and holiness. Help us, O oh Lord, empower us as we seek to return back to our original state. We make this request to Christ our Lord. Amen.